Welcome to A Life Invested, a podcast dedicated to helping you create the lifestyle of your dreams by investing in people, assets, and yourself. I'm your host, Roger Comstock. All right, my friends. Well, welcome back to A Life Invested. I am so grateful uh, to have Adam Webb on the show with us today. He is an exceptional human being who's accomplished some wonderful things in his life. Uh, At the age of 21, Adam made the radical decision to pack an entire lifetime of experience and achievement into the next 10 years of his life. During that period, he became a published author, patented inventor, certified public speaker, nonprofit director, and top performing sales rep and leader. He is currently the chief revenue officer at uh, the largest privately held solar company uh, called Sunder. So really, really impressive accomplishments. Uh, He's the father to five amazing children and husband to a powerhouse wife. He loves anything in the ocean and on a board. He holds a bachelor's in entrepreneurship and has dedicated his life to creating as much value for other people as he possibly can. I feel so thankful to have him on the show today. Adam Webb, welcome, brother. Thanks, man. Stoked to be here. Hey, you bet. I think I saw on your Instagram page that uh, I, I know you said you love anything on a board. I think I saw you land a kickflip. Was that you for the... Yeah, that that was me. A, a heel flip. But yeah, that was me. Oh, 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 dude, I love it, man. Shows how much I know about skateboarding. Dude, that's, that's awesome. I love it, brother. Well, grateful that you're here. Uh, first and foremost, I want the listeners to be able to follow you if it's something that they would like to do. I know you are able to provide a ton of value to everyone's life. I love following you. You put out some great content and it's uh, Thanks, man. made my, oh, you're welcome, dude. It's made my life better. So if listeners want to follow you, uh, first and foremost, where do they, where do they go? Uh, just Adam K Webb on Instagram. Awesome, man. Follow me there. Yeah. Nice and easy. Adam K Webb on Instagram. So for those who are listening, go follow this guy. He's, he's an exceptional human being. Um, I, I want to talk to you about a couple things uh, today. We'll probably go for about 35 to 40 minutes, but I wanted oh. to ask you if, Somebody is wanting to kind of craft a lifestyle of their dreams. If they want to become kind of what you have become and done what you have done in your life, what's a really good place uh, for them to start? You got to start with vision. So I look at my last, I guess, 15 years now since I really started doing sales and taking life seriously. And really the only thing that's limited me throughout the entire process is just my own self-concept and what I perceived I was able to do. So I, I truly believe I could have got where I'm at and accomplished the things that I accomplished so much faster if I had just accepted what my potential actually was and internalized the vision of what I could actually accomplish. Dude, that's amazing. And what are you doing or what have you done to kind of instill that vision into or translate that vision from just kind of an idea to actual uh, realized opportunity? Yeah. So when I started, I hadn't really had any experiences in my life that would have given me confidence or convinced me that I could accomplish great things or be successful. That just wasn't my life up until the point that I started selling. And so really it was incremental. Um, good leaders helped instill that vision, but really it's, it's just a process of ideating first creating and mentally picturing what your life could look like. If, if you visualize enough and you affirm enough, eventually your subconscious mind will just kind of believe you and that will become your reality. I, I like that a lot. I, I feel like that's really, really good advice. It almost, to, to some people, they hear things like this and they almost feel like um, it, it sounds a bit 
mystical or something that's not actually um, a, a real, you know, application based practice, but it is right. It really oh, is yeah. this idea of writing things down, setting goals, envisioning uh, what we want to become future pacing our own lives and putting ourselves in, in our uh, future selves shoes and these wonderful, you know, uh, kind of ideas of what we want to become. It, it really works. It, it really oh, works yeah. well. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, let me ask you, for you, what what role has has discipline played in the success that you've had up to this point? Everything. I mean, that is what separates the top performers from the mediocre performers. The truly successful people just have a habit of doing things that they don't want to do or that they don't like to do. So you can become a superhero, you can become a top one percenter, you can become the best in your industry if you can just master the skill of forcing yourself to do things that you don't want to do. And that's how I define discipline. Yeah, that's a great way to define it, man. That's that's uh, super important. I I like that definition specifically because discipline can't really be um, a part of anyone's life unless they are willing to do things they don't want to do, right? A lot of people yeah. kind of they choose to live their life strictly off of motivation and motivation is kind of like the tide it ebbs and flows comes and goes and yep. so if they're going to live off of motivation it's not it's not going to work they have to kind of re replace that motivation with discipline when they don't want to do things um i i yeah, love dis that disciplines uh disciplines like your uh, it's like the safety net for motivation yeah it is man it really is and it's it's interesting because I mean, motivation can still play a role in our lives. It's not like we have to discount it or get rid of it, but there's plenty of times I wake up to go to the gym in the morning and I do not want to go um, at all. Or I, or I don't want to run, you know, while I'm there on a treadmill. Oh, but yeah. yeah, right. But you just do it anyway. And you always, I've never heard anybody ever regret doing something that was hard. Like you never hear anybody say, man, I really wish I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. But you always hear people who have regrets when they, when they don't do something. So Great, great thoughts, man. I, I really appreciate that. I'm going to ask you a question. I usually leave until the end of the podcast, but I'm, sure. I, I'd kind of like to dive into it a little bit with you here because you're somebody that seems to exemplify it pretty well. How, how do you define happiness, Adam, in your life? And then how do you measure it? Ooh, that's a really good question. I mean, they, they've studied this. Like, in my opinion, I think science backs us up and religion backs us up too. Happiness comes from relationships and from serving and creating value for other people. If you dedicate your life to creating value for other people, serving other people, strengthening relationships, you'll be happy. So that's where I have found the most happiness in my life. I've tested that. I've had it confirmed a million times over. So if you want to be happy, create as much value as you can, serve and love other people and strengthen, build and strengthen relationships. That's, that's, uh, it's really cool. How have you been able to kind of balance this idea between, you know, cause a lot of people feel like happiness comes from making money, which it doesn't, I mean, yeah. it, it, it doesn't at all, but uh, what, what is it that kind of helped you come to that realization that happiness is really kind of bred out of relationships? Um, I didn't grow up with money. My parents divorced when I was super young. My dad was homeless for a lot of my childhood growing up. I was you know, primarily raised by a single mom who worked the night shift. Wow. And I was a very happy person. I had a very happy childhood. I had great friends, great relationships, people that love me. And so my earliest experiences in life taught me that 
you don't need money to be happy. Now, there was also pain associated with poverty. So money, if you are a happy person, can be a catalyst for creating a better life, having better experiences, um, unlocking, you know, new joys, things like that. But if you're not just fundamentally happy, then money won't make you happy. Um, in fact, it'll have the opposite effect. But if you truly at your core are a happy person because you've built your life around correct principles of, of happiness, like I mentioned, relationships, creating value, serving others, then money can improve the quality of your life. So that, that, that's been my experience uh, with the relationship between happiness and money. I love that, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, what a great, yeah. what a great answer, man. I love that. So this is kind of related, I guess, to the, the happiness question, but what is your, what's your why for doing what you do? And then after you tell me what your why is, I'd like to understand how that became your why. Yeah. So my, my deepest why is to just have as big of a positive impact here on earth before I die as I, as I can. So every morning I feel like it's a sprint. I don't know how much longer I have on earth. I wake up, I got to create as much value as I possibly can for other people before I go to bed, because then I can look back on my life and think, oh yeah, that was a life worth living. So that's my, my deeper why I want to have, I want to positively influence as many people as I possibly can serve as many people as I possibly can and create as much value as I possibly can. That's great, man. I, that's just extra inspirational. Is there a way that you're kind of tracking that or measuring your impact on the world? I, from what I see, you know, I follow you and I love what you're doing. It seems like you're making a, a real dent, man, in people's Thanks, lives. I, I know you're welcome. You're welcome. One of my really good friends, actually, one of my very best friends is Kevin Karchner. I loved listening yeah. to his, his podcast with yeah, you. Yeah. Um, great guy. Uh, but oh yeah, he's amazing. He is, man. He he really, really is. And so is there a way that you're able to kind of quantify um, this this impact that you're having on the world? Or what do you do to measure that? Really, it's just about becoming the, the best person that you can be, maximizing your human potential. So if I'm working in direct sales and I want to positively impact other sales reps, I got to become the absolute best sales rep in the industry because that's going to increase my ability to positively impact other people. If I'm going to be a leader, I need to figure out how to be the best leader. And so really those two things have been symbiotic and have gone hand in hand. I spend an incredible amount of time just trying to maximize my, my personal potential, becoming the best public speaker, the best sales rep, the best recruiter, the best leader, the best author, like whatever it is, I I'm just trying to be become the best that I can be so that I can then influence other people. I like that a lot. Um, those are all important principles. I think that's great. If you were to focus on one particular skill set, just one thing, say you're chatting with a group of younger individuals that are trying to kind of make the most out of their lives, you know, achieve their potential. What is one skill set that you would say, this is, this is the thing you need to really master, you know, to get to where you want to go? It's a really good question. I would say, I'd say hard work, just mm, doing yeah, hard things. That's really the foundation of everything else. Kind of tying back to discipline. If, if you can master the art of just doing super hard things that you don't want to do, then everything else will take care of itself. Whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, you will become the best at it. 
you'll have the maximum impact if you can learn how to do that. So that's what I would say is beef up your hustle muscle, learn how to just work hard. Dude, I love that. Beef up your hustle muscle. That, that's that's so good, man. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Yeah. Everyone could beef up the, the old hustle muscle. I think that's great. Um, uh, I think too, what I would add to that, I think that's incredible. Yeah. Hard work uh, kind of coupled with sales. I think sales is probably one of the the things that uh, a skill set that everyone should be developing. I really love the book by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, because I think sales is often, it's got this kind of negative correlation in people's minds of like pressure and, you know, something that's not good. But I love Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, kind of their ideology of sales is really nothing more than building relationships and helping people. Right. And one of the oh, things yeah. that I, I love about you, I'd love to actually chat with you a little bit right now is you, you authored the book, The Six Figure Summer, um, yeah. which is stellar. I actually used that um, with my sales guys on. Uh, oh, did you? Uh, yeah. And in one of my companies called Tuple. And uh, it's awesome, man. The stuff that you explain Thanks, there is, is stellar. And so um, maybe speak a little bit to the role that sales has played in your life and kind of why you decided to author that book. Uh, sales gave me everything. It's it's the great equalizer because when I got into sales, you know, sales didn't care that I grew up poor, that my parents were divorced or any of that. It just cared how hard I was going to work. So sales gave me an opportunity to get ahead and I've absolutely loved it. I mean, I've been knocking doors for 14 years. This is my first summer that I have not been deployed in market leading you know the teams in personal wow. production so sales is absolutely uh, it, it's everything i tell everyone learn how to sell the book came about i was actually mentoring a rep teaching him sales techniques but he was already a pretty good rep he was he was trying to get over a certain threshold and after a couple years of teaching him and him not hitting that threshold i took a, i took some time to really introspect and reflect you know what is it that allows top performers to do what they do. And I, I had this epiphany that it's really not sales techniques that get you to the highest level. It's, it's principles. So it's not, you know, what, what does this guy or this gal say on the doors that makes them so effective? Who it's, who are they as people? What are the principles that they embody? And so that's how the six figure summer came about. It was just identifying the principles that all top performers in all industries embody. And I wrote him down and gave him to this rep and he went and crushed that threshold that he was trying to hit. And the book just grew from there. But that, that's what it is. It's just a set of principles that if you embody them, you'll, you'll dominate the same way that the top performers do. That's, that's amazing. Cause it kind of goes back to this whole idea of uh, vision, right? It's the, you had talked yeah. about before in mindset, belief systems, it's kind of this idea of like where there's no vision, people perish. Right. And if somebody yeah. has this idea in their mind of what they can accomplish, um, they, they are way more apt to be able to hit it. Um, and I love, I, I think it's very, very fulfilling. One of the things that I love most about what I do right now is I actually, I teach people how to start their own like passive income businesses oh, yeah. without the utilization of venture capital or debt um, or real estate. And it's it's a ton of fun because you watch light bulbs go on in people's minds as they start to really believe in themselves and see what they have the ability to do. And I know you've seen that too, and probably a regional you know, management position coaching these sales guys, watching them just light up and realize, wow, this is, I can do some pretty incredible things, some really hard things. Um, has oh, that yeah. been something that's been a 
pretty big source of fulfillment for you? Oh yeah. It's, it's been everything by far. Like I look back on my last decade and a half in door-to-door sales and I've made incredible money. The money's been awesome. But as I look back and remember my favorite parts, the best parts, the parts that all always cherish and hold most dear, it was those experiences of helping other people level up, of helping other people expand their vision, being a part of influencing them to think bigger and helping them realize that they're capable of so much more and then actually seeing them go attack and accomplish that potential. That's the best thing right there. I mean, that that's really what kept me in door-to-door for 14 years. I love knocking. I love sales. But what kept me in it was the opportunity to mentor, coach, influence, have a positive impact on other people's lives. That's the best right there. I could do that forever. Dude, that's amazing. One of the things you said uh, is a bit, uh, it's, it's something that, people generally don't say. And so I'd like to talk about it for just a little bit. You said you love knocking doors. Um, yeah. It's hard, right? Like there's there's a great yeah. book for people that are in sales called Rejection Proof. And it's important that people know that, I mean, sales is no walk in the park. It's not, it's not easy. And there's a whole lot of rejection that's associated with it. And so for those people that are listening to the podcast right now, you know, that are, that are entering a sales career or somebody that is interested in that type of opportunity, how did you get to love knocking doors? So I, I, I didn't get to love knocking doors. It, it, it's really tough. It's really tedious. It's monotonous. It's an emotional drain. I learned to love the rewards that mm. came from forcing myself to do hard things. And door-to-door sales was just the most consistently hard thing in my life. Um, you know, it gets easier as you get better and experience more success, but after 14 years, I never got to a point where I, it, it was just a joy to go knock doors. I mean, it is what it is. It's knocking doors. It's hard. It's tough. After 14 years, I would still get pushed to my emotional and mental limits, but that's what I loved about it. Cause it, it goes back to my core purpose of becoming the best person that I can be so I can help other people. Resistance is the law of growth. I need something hard to help me get better and door-to-door sales for 14 years straight consistently provided that for me. It was my catalyst for growth. It was the main thing that allowed me to level up as big and as fast as I did. That's, that is so uh, enjoyable to listen to, man, and to hear. I, I think that's great. So with, with these people that, um, you know, are not, because we're going to have all kinds of individuals that are listening to the podcast, some that are just starting their journey, some that are kind of well on their way here and um, with you right now, what are you, I know you're, you're, um, the CRO of Sunder, but where are yeah. you investing a lot of your money? Are you putting money into indexes or real estate or, um, I mean, what type of assets are you investing in? Yeah, it's been really consistent stock market, just index funds and real estate. And I've just stuck to that and I've never lost money and I've been able to build great wealth. That's awesome. I love the idea of, uh, keeping it simple. Um, had a really, really great mentor, actually an individual who uh, owned a very, very large um, multifamily real estate investment company. And he told me, he said, be excellent in the basics, keep it simple and elevate your sites. And I think those three principles um, have been, I mean, just so meaningful for me. The idea that yeah. a lot of times people try to overcomplicate 
life. And really what you've said is so important because I, I think it all kind of boils down to um, just hard work, you know, having some grit, being willing to grind, and then just kind of following a nice process. And so that's great. What what kind of habits have you been able to implement that have allowed you to be able to experience some of the success and that you, you know, stayed consistent with? Good question. Um, personal development every day. So I still consistently read or listen to 20 minutes of audiobooks every single day. That's probably been one of the most impactful things in my life is just making sure that every single day I'm just getting better and better. Um, and the personal development has ranged from, you know, very specific to my profession. So I'm doing like sales training, leadership training, recruiting training to just things that I'm interested in. And in my life, a lot of things that started as random interests turned into things that became core value propositions. Like they became things that I was able to create value for other people because I built myself up in them. And some of them even turned into economic opportunities where I was able to make money off of them. So for me, it, it, I'll say the same thing over and over again. It's just personal development. And that's been my most important, one of my most important habits. That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah. I, I think uh, you and I are very similar when it comes to just, I think it's important that people always stay curious, right? And keep their minds open to learning and growing and never feeling like anyone has ever arrived. You know, I find that it's, it's, it's an interesting kind of paradox that we can observe in, uh, in society. These people who feel like they've got it all figured out kind of tend to put their own personal cap on their success, right? Where the people that are always learning, because what I realize it's kind of a, it's an interesting thing, but every single day I learn more and more that I don't know very much yeah. at all, right? There's always somebody new to learn from, always new concepts to be able to apply and utilize to become better, better and help more people. Um, and so I, I, I love your mindset, man. I think a lot of people could learn from what you've done. It sounds like you've kept your nose inside of books for a long time. Uh, because of that, I want to talk to you a little bit. If you could recommend one book to read, I know this is hard. There's so many great <laughs> books, but what book would you recommend and why? Let's chat about it for just a little bit. Just one, huh? Man. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll probably just reference the one that was most impactful because it came into my life the early, earliest and really shaped my perspective. And that was Think and Grow Rich. Mm, I just yes. remember her sitting. Um, at my dad's place, my, uh, he converted like, it was, it was basically a storage room into like a bedroom. When I crashed there, sometimes my bed was like in the closet. So I'm like, I'm laying in this makeshift bed in a closet in a storage room reading, uh, by a light. And, you know, I'm reading these concepts that like, you can literally just choose your reality. And I'm looking around at my reality and it's like, I, all of a sudden I believe that, that I can just go create whatever I want. That was really the first time in my life when I realized, oh, I don't, I don't need to continue on the path that I'm on. My life doesn't, the rest of my life doesn't have to look like what my life up until this point has looked like. I can go change it in remarkable and amazing ways and I can go create whatever life I want. So that I would say would be, if I had to pick one, it'd be Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Yeah, I would absolutely uh, agree. I think that's one of my very favorite books, um, especially it, because it kind of encompasses 
so many kind of lifelong principles that people need to really kind of move from their head down into their heart and who they are if they want to succeed. Um, I love the idea that Napoleon Hill talks about in regards to, you know, really envisioning what you want to accomplish, but getting granular about it. You know what I mean? Getting a little more methodical about what are the steps towards that big goal? Because I think a lot of times people have these ideas of like, you know, if I just say these affirmations and, oh, I want to be a millionaire, I want to be a millionaire, I want to do whatever, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't, it doesn't work so much that way as setting a goal and saying, okay, here's kind of how I'm going to get there. And this is my game plan. You know, every day, here's some small steps that I can take or, you know, bites out of this elephant to make it kind of more of a, a reality. How has how that uh, kind of practice played into what you learned in Think and Grow Rich? Uh, like how have I applied it? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm a huge, huge visualizer. So there's really no future success that I aspire to that I have not role played in my mind over and over and over again. Sorry, one sec. Life, motion light. Um, that I have not role played over and over and over again in my mind, whether it's you know, getting my Stanford MBA diploma or ringing the bell, taking my company public or whatever it is. I just live those future successes over and over again in my mind, sometimes even to the detail of like role-playing the specific conversations associated with them in my mind. So I, I'd say that's probably how I apply it the most. I mean, as far as my subconscious mind is concerned. I'm like a billionaire that has like a PhD and world renowned public speaker and like all of this, all of this crazy stuff, just cause I've role played it and visualized it so much in my mind. It's literally every day I'm going through this process. I love that, man. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the piece that I don't think a lot of people like to employ. It's those habits that are hard. It's the easy habits People are like, oh, yeah, I can do that. But it's the things that are not very fun that people really need to get down to the nitty gritty with in order to kind of experience what you're talking about. Right. It's this it's being willing to actually take some time to think about those things and plan for those things and then go get out there and do something that is going to push them towards, you know, those goals. And generally, in almost every situation, it's going to require some sort of discomfort or success tax to be paid. And I love this idea because I think so many times people get started on a journey and they, they're they just stoked out of their mind about it for the first couple of weeks. I look at people that are just starting to go to the gym, right? They they have in their mind, they've got this poster on the board. It's like, I want to look like that guy, you know? And so they, and they're just hell bent on getting there. You know, it's like, I'm going to do it. So they go to the gym for the first week and it's just miserable. They feel groggy. They feel like they're in huge amounts of pain. And they're like, this is not at all what I had expected this to be. I don't think this life is for me. I'm going to throw in the towel. But what's unfortunate about that, to your point, is that some people, it's like um, they, they throw the baby out with the bathwater instead of just kind of saying, man, yeah, this is hard, but I committed you know, yeah. to do this. I, I, I made a decision and I'm going to stick with it. Um, I, I I really really think those are important principles. I love that man. Thanks for talking about your your habits. I think that's that's yeah, great. Um, of course, I think that's really important. Uh, well, I'd love to ask you maybe just a couple more questions here, if if that's okay. Um, I think it's interesting that you know a lot of people right now, especially they they tend to focus primarily on challenges that are going on, 
right? Yep. Uh, in the world, a lot of negativity, um, a, a lot of uh, excuses, blame, right? And these things. And so what, what do you do to kind of combat those things in your mind? Because you're a very strong person mentally. I mean, and I, and I love you. that and respect that. So what do you do to kind of see opportunity in an economy and market where everybody else is seeing some potential challenges? Well, I think a lot of people make the mistake of viewing challenges, setbacks, negative experiences. And if an opportunity is not obvious, they just kind of subconsciously assume that that's all that was. It was just a setback. It was just a negative experience. But in Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, he says every failure carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater success. This is kind of a universal principle. If you're talking about science, it's every action has an equal and opposite reaction. If you're talking about religion, it's yin and yang, this idea that the greater the challenge, the bigger the opportunity. So what you have to do is just decide ahead of time that that is the reality. Because when you're in the challenge, you're in the negative situation, you're in the setback, it's really hard to see any good in that. But if you have just cognitively decided ahead of time, I don't know how, or I don't know why, but there is an opportunity in here that's equal to or bigger than the setback. Then it just kind of reframes your mind and your subconscious mind will, will eventually figure it out. This isn't a set, this is a setback, but it's also a spring forward and kind of like the further you pull that rubber band or spring back, the further forward it's going to launch, it's the same thing. So when I go through really hard things where I'm like, this just sucks so bad. The other side of me is like, well, I already know I should, however bummed out I am, I should be equally or even more excited because I already know that there's something good in this that's better, that exceeds the bad that I'm experiencing. I've already decided that. It's, and it sounds like that's, that's primarily where the results come from is just, it's based off of a decision, right? Be yeah. Before, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to, so here's my choice. And just knowing from the get go, there's going to be some sort of obstacle, some beast in the bush that you just don't even see from the, from the yeah. beginning, right? Like it's, it, it can just blindside you sometimes. Um, oh, yeah. I love it. Ed Milet today, he actually posted on, on Instagram and said, you know, oftentimes we're in the middle of something really, really good. We don't even we, we don't realize that we are right. Yeah. Cause, uh, cause sometimes in the middle of something just incredible in our lives, we're going through dark times, hard times. Yeah. And, uh, success is often thought to be, you know, fairly linear in, in people's minds. It's like, Hey, I'm here and now I want to get up here. And so it's just a straight shot, you know, to my goal, but it, it it's usually a, a lot more chaotic in, in that journey, you know, some really, really high ups and some, very, very low downs and some ups and downs. And um, so I love, I love your perspective of the whole, I love the whole idea of the yin and yang side of it, the dark and light side of it, the yeah. opposite and equal reaction. That's really, really great, uh, great thought. So thanks. Thanks a ton, man. Um, yeah. It sounds like you, you probably have a, a, a pretty positive outlook right on life too. And so how do you maintain your positivity? through everything. So let's say something is going, you made a decision, right? That you're going to just get through something and power through, but how do you keep your mind in a state of positivity, right? Through those experiences? Good question. I, I ran a nonprofit for a lot of years and we built 
we raised money and we built a hospital in Africa. So I flew to Africa, Kenya, and saw the slums in Nairobi and worked around rural Kenya. And the poverty was uh, astounding. It was like shocking how impoverished people were and how destitute. And it made you feel sad and it made you feel depressed. And it's like, man, how can people live like this? But the thing that I also noticed was how happy everyone was. They were laughing. They were smiling. They were hugging. They were having a good time. The, the kids were playing with a rusty rim that they were rolling around with a stick, but they were loving it. They were laughing their heads off. They were so happy. And I flew back from Kenya. I was in the airport and I was waiting for my bags and I could overhear someone check in and someone I saw was like super frustrated. This, this American who was flying, who knows where, super frustrated, super annoyed, super upset. I overheard the conversation and she had forgotten her pair of workout shoes. So her extra pair of shoes, she had forgotten. So it's like, here's a group of people who are, have nothing, who are so grateful and happy for what they have. And we all know people, there's tons of people in, in this country and in other places of wealth that have everything, but just feel this sense of lack and disappointment. So really it just comes down to gratitude. And I still, every single day, I write down three things that I'm grateful for every single day. Or I try every single day to send a text and just say, Hey, thank you for, I'm grateful for you for. But if you reprogram your mind for gratitude, it really is not going to matter what's going on in your life. You, you have to get to a point where it, it, it doesn't matter what happens to you. You will be a grateful, happy person in any circumstance. If you can't get to that point, then you're just going to constantly be chasing something that you, you'll never be able to achieve. Dude. This is so good. <laughs> this is um, thanks, so brother. good, man. <laughs> I love it so much, dude. I I wish everyone in the world could hear this because I think that's one of the most important messages that anybody could ever internalize, ever. Right? For me, it's been the same thing. It is there is so much to be thankful for. I just yeah. I mean, it, it so much, right? And uh, we hear people that are complaining and and uh, negative and the, the, the earth's going up in flames and all this stuff. And I'm, I mean, we, we can recognize that there's some things that are challenging, but there are so many opportunities out there and so many great people, just such good people. You being one of those people, right? Where Thanks, it's man. just, we have, we have wonderful opportunities. And I love that practice of writing down, you know, three things that you're grateful for. That's something everyone can employ. And it's very simple and easy probably has made a monumental difference in, in your life. Um, I, I, I like that a lot. I think at the end of our lives, um, one of the things I'm, I'm still young, I'm 33, but um, it's, it's interesting to me how quickly time goes now. It's, it's weird. Like as a kid, you know, a year yeah. felt like forever, <laughs> you know, and sometimes I have these moments where it's like, oh man, it's, a, a year feels like a, a week. And I'm like, I really, really need to capitalize on, my time here and make sure that when I, I want to talk about Stephen Covey for a little bit and then maybe we'll hop off here. Um, maybe ask you just one or two more questions, but I've really loved spending time with you today, Adam. So I just want to thank Thanks, you man. so much, man. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, like this, this idea of uh, my, the podcast is called a, a life invested. And I, I like the idea of being able to get to the end of my life and 
realized that the time that I invested into things, what they, they were all worthwhile. It wasn't like, like, I want my kids to not be like, my dad just cared about money. That's all he cared about. I want them to be able to yeah. say, my dad never missed a ball game or my dad never yeah. missed a dance recital. He was always there. He loved to help people. He loved to serve. And this kind of goes back to the Napoleon Hill kind of ideology of putting yourself where you want to be. You know, with my, my wife at that point in my life, I want her to be holding my hand. I want to be, I want her to just feel and know how special she is to me, that I'm just obsessed with her. She's just the best thing ever. And I can choose that, right? And th those things really affect, they affect our decisions. And uh, it's, it's, it's kind of cool, right? To be able to, to kind of map, map our lives out that way. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, I'm grateful for what you've talked about, you know, today with, with gratitude and how you've kind of implemented these habits that have been so meaningful for, for you. I wanted to talk about Stephen Covey and this idea of, you know, he, he talks about, um, he, he talks about sharpening the saw and what, what I see happening primarily right now in the world is people just go, 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 go all the time, right? There's no there is no uh, stopping, and what I found that's a, a little bit, a little bit of a paradox to what most most people's methodology is. Is I actually like to, uh, to take a breather, right, and 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 be very intentional about what I want, and I I think that is Napoleon Hill esque, right, and that idea of like I need to get very serious about figuring out what I want and put my mind in a place where I can do that. So I wanted to ask you, what do you do to kind of sharpen the saw? What do you do to kind of take a load off in your day with everything you've got going on? Yeah. Just to kind of like take a step back and relax a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have a ton of hobbies that I love and I try and overlap them with my kids. So where possible, um, I teach my kids the hobbies that I love so I can do it with them. So my oldest is 11 now that that's one of the coolest things as a parent, when your kids get old enough to, that you can do the stuff that you love with them. So I'll take them snowboarding. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do all sorts of stuff like that, but that that's what I love doing. If, if I can, I'm, I'm so busy and I work so much that I try and combine those two things. So if I have me time, I'm, I'm usually trying to involve my family with it so that I can spend time with them as well. That's awesome, man. I think that's great. I think that's really, really important. And it'll allow you at the end of your life to be able to look back and say, yeah, this was, this was a life invested right into yeah. what was, what was meaningful, which is super, super cool. Um, I, I, I find that that's a, a similar outlook that I have as well. I thought it was interesting. I, I mentioned this in last week's podcast too, but Winston Churchill, I didn't know this, uh, till semi recently. It's interesting. I mean, arguably one of the greatest leaders and minds that we've had in, in the world, but he took two bathtubs every single day. Which was which was odd. I shouldn't say every day. He took one every day, and and sometimes two. And I think that's that's an interesting kind of approach because again, most people are like, all right, we need to be going all the time, and that's foolish to stop and kind of smell the yeah. roses, right? But I, I I watch your Instagram and what you're doing and the way that you kind of have balanced everything in your life, and you've done an exceptional job, man, of of kind of you. categorizing, you know, priorities. And uh, everyone is always spinning plates, you know, in their lives, and oftentimes yeah. they spin one plate too fast and neglect. The other ones and that causes uh, yeah you know, i've i've done that too so <laughs> yeah likewise likewise i have i have as well well let's maybe end here with one more question then i'll let you go but i have just uh i have loved um spending spending some time with you so thank you very very much um for everything today man uh i want to yeah, ask you 
when things have been uncomfortable for you, so as I know they have been, what have you kind of done to combat the the feeling of discomfort and, um, you, you know, in your mind, right? Because that's when people are going to stop. So what have you done to kind of push past that discomfort and keep going? Um, I, ju- I just know where the other path leads. Um, I figured mm-hmm. out when I was about eight years old that I was essentially unsupervised. My mom was sleeping during the day because she worked the night shift. My dad wasn't always around. So from eight to 18, I just goofed off and got into trouble and like was really lazy and didn't work and just avoided anything I didn't want to do. I did that for 10 years straight. So I've, I've been there. I've tried that. And after I moved to Utah when I was about, you know, 21, I did the opposite. I packed an entire lifetime of experience and success and accomplishment into a 10 year period. So I, I have a perfect case study. I know what a decade of laziness and comfort is like. I know what a decade of super hard struggle and accomplishment is like, and I'll choose the latter every single day for the rest of my life. That's, that's really, really important advice. Uh, Robert Frost wrote one of my very favorite poems ever. And I think you just, I think you're probably the personification of what he was illustrating in the poem of the, this idea of, you know, the, the, he, he says in the poem that two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And I always love to picture it. I think it's really, really helpful to kind of visualize what's going on in this poem here. I, I picture one of these paths, you know, downtrodden, everybody chooses to take it. It's easy. You know, it's, it's not something that's going to require very much effort at all. It's probably a bit downhill. Right. And then there's these, this other path where there's, it, there's still weeds all over the place. And you can see that a couple people have kind of meandered up to this peak. Right. Um, but he says that he says, I, I took the road less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. And so what I loved about your answer was that you said, I just know where the other road leads, Right, that, yeah. that was the, this, that's how you combat this feeling of discomfort of just knowing that, 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 that leads to, um, really nothing special not, to mediocrity, yeah. right? It, it really, yeah, really yeah. does. I love Kevin's platform of the, the fight against mediocrity because it's, yeah. You know, moving, moving towards this, this goal that's going to require some effort. And so love everything about who you are. I think you're an incredible person. I would encourage anybody that is listening to this podcast today to go follow Adam. Just uh, really an inspirational person. I look forward to watching everything that you continue to accomplish in your life, brother. You're Thanks, just man. such, such a good dude. So thank you for being on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for all you do with the podcast. Hey, you bet, brother. We'll chat with you soon. Okay. Thanks, man. 